Young, back to throw. In trouble, he's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10. He dies, touchdown, 49ers. The Jimmy Garoppolo era starts with the 49ers win, 15-14 over the Chicago Bears in Chicago. Zane Nackby here with Al Sacco for the 49ers Web Zone Know How to Podcast. And Al, it, uh, I, there, what can you say? He, he looked great out there, didn't he? I'll tell you what, my mood is considerably improved from last week. <laughs> if you listened to the show last week, you know I wasn't very happy. Uh, I was kind of sick of the whole same old thing from this team <laughs> where the offense doesn't really do anything and the defense yeah. hangs tough and then, then they pull away. And, and it, something was different this week, wasn't it? Looked a little different. And it, it's not like they lit up the scoreboard, Benny, stretched the imagination, but they certainly moved down the ball up and down the field without any issues. And if they don't shoot themselves in the foot, you know, that game's a blowout. They dominated the game. And Jimmy Garoppolo in his first career start with the 49ers after about a month with the team looked like he was a five, 10 year vet. He was a complete control of that game. And it was great to see. Yeah. And it seemed like he elevated the, the play of everybody else around him too. Like Trent Taylor had a great game. Marquise Goodwin had a great game. Carlos Hyde, he didn't have, he didn't have a normal, his normal production, but he was big in some spots too. Robbie Gold, obviously, kicking five field goals. And there's so many more. Obviously, the defense stepped up big time. And they, they bottled up Jordan Howard and, and didn't let Mitch Trubisky do anything through the air. So it just, it just was a full, a full team win. And, and the team was, was really energized with that, with that whole Jimmy Garoppolo switch. Absolutely. And, you know, we'll see what happens from here on out. Obviously, there's still going to be growing pains, you would think. I thought there'd be growing pains in, in the first week as well. So there may be some up, ups and downs. But listen, the velocity the accuracy, the command of the pocket, get, avoiding the rush, like you said, making the players around him better. Sky's the limit right now. You have to be thrilled if you're the 49ers or a fan of the team. And now it's not often that we get two guests to come on, and we got a, we got kind of a big show planned, and this is part of it. And Gillette was working in conjunction with us to give us these two guests, and it was part of an ad campaign where a father was kind of watching the game through his eyes and, the, and and his son was able to see it. And it was the first game against the Carolina Panthers. And one of our guests today is 49ers first round pick. One of them, 49ers first round pick Solomon Thomas, number three overall pick and his father, Chris. So without further ado, here are Solomon Thomas and Chris. I see you, buddy. I see you. I see him over there. I couldn't plan this. I couldn't book this chapter to be any better. See my son compete in the NFL. I gotta stand when they play. I don't know why. <laughs> Does he become the man he is? It's just a dream come true for me. I admire that Solomon's a very compassionate, loving, kind human being. He's a better person uh, than I could even imagine being. Some people wait their whole life to see their favorite player play. I raised mine. And now we'd like to welcome a couple of special guests, courtesy of Gillette. We've got 49ers first round pick, Solomon Thomas, and we've got his father, Chris Thomas. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing awesome. And um, Solomon, can you kind of reflect on your rookie season thus far in the NFL? Uh, how do you think you've done and what's your biggest challenge 12 games in? You know, it's been a long year. Just growing, learning a lot, learning how to play in new positions, new alignments, new techniques, and a new defense. You know, I've learned a lot from my coaches, my teammates, and I'm growing as a player. And I, I feel pretty good. I feel like, you know, 
I have a long way to go. Obviously, you know, I, I want to play. I want to play better, be, become a better player, and I feel like I'm on the right track. And I feel like um, throughout in this defense with this, with these coaches, with these players, I, I'm going to progress to be the player that I want to be in this in this system. Chris, what's it like as a parent to be on a journey with your son like this and watching him begin his his career as an NFL football player? You know, it's it's been an amazing journey, and I keep pinching myself thinking about the, our, our son is playing. In the NFL, and after having a great career at Stanford, and it's just been an amazing journey, and it's really been fun watching him play each game, and we really enjoy watching uh, the view through Gillette when they did the, the uh, filming of the commercial, the first game against Carolina, and watching mm-hmm. him play against uh, uh, Christian and, and all, and it's just an amazing, beautiful experience. Chris, you mentioned you mentioned Christian McCaffrey, and your family and the McCaffreys are are pretty close. And you actually sat together at that game. What, <laughs> what, what kinds of things kind of go through your head when you're sitting like next to your buddy and like watching your sons play against each other? You know, it was just really crazy experience because we wanted Christian to do well, but not against Solomon. And we wanted Solomon to do well, but not against Christian. But uh, it was just a great experience to see those two play. And, and just I mean, see those guys off the field, you know how great they love each other and how well their roommates together with Keller and Christian and Joey and, and, and CJ. They're just great in Casey, they're just great kids together, and then seeing them compete, it was just a beautiful experience, and uh, and I really enjoyed that opportunity uh, to see that. Solomon, every time we hear John Lynch talk, he, he gives you high praise whenever your name is mentioned. What does it mean to you to have that kind of support from the front office, that, that they're behind you and, and constantly talking you up? You know, knowing that they have faith in me means a lot, because um, I know that I haven't had the year that I've you know, that I've envisioned that I've wanted out of my rookie year. And, uh, you know, I have a long way to go. I have a lot of hard work to put in, a lot of extra work to put in to become the player I want to be. And, um, you know, to know that they have faith in me that I, I'm going to become that player because I know that I'm going to bec- become that player for this program and for them. And, and I know and I want them to know that they they, that they can trust me and that um, and then just to have this to know that they have faith in me means a lot. And, you know, the way that they have this program going and this organization going, uh it's truly, truly incredible how how fast we're changing things and how the team attitude, the chemistry, you know, the, the environment of the whole 49ers is is going in the right direction, and, and they're doing quite an amazing job getting this team, this team in the right place. And are you feeling more comfortable as the season goes on with with your assignments and everything like that? Are are you feeling more confident in your weekly play? You know, definitely. Um, you know, had I miss a few weeks for a small injury. Um, but, you know, that, that was great mentally, just kind of get a, a grasp on everything. But, yeah, I, I'm definitely feeling more comfortable, and I, I feel like I'm coming in my own each game and just trying to really just not think about anything, just play football and just dominate and, and play for the brothers beside me. Uh, you know, it's such a blessing to play this game, and I love it so much. And, Solomon, how did it feel to kind of uh, go into Chicago and beat the guy that was picked ahead of you? Do you, do you kind of Did you kind of think about that after you beat the Bears, that that Mitch Trubisky was picked one pick ahead of you, and you guys went in there and beat them? You know, uh, you know, it definitely, I definitely was reminded throughout the week um, that Mitch was picked one pick before me, but it really didn't mean much to me. You know, I was just going in there just with my team, not trying to focus on anything that I going on personally, and just go out there and, and play and get, get another win for the guys. So there wasn't something that was on my mind, not some certain motivation I had all week, but I just wanted to go out there and, and just play, just have a good game with uh, everyone out there and just have fun. And next question is for Chris. And Chris, I, I definitely appreciate the work that you put in with Solomon as my dad and myself spent countless hours uh, on the baseball field as a kid and as a teenager. 
how rewarding is it to you to see Solomon kind of reach the mountaintop, so to speak? You know, it's been great. Uh, Martha and I are so proud of what he's accomplished on the field, but also off the field. And the fact that he's been able to um, leverage his skills and talents uh, to be one of the best uh, players to get to the NFL, to be drafted in the first round, and, and for him to succeed. And uh, as he said, he'll he'll find a way to continue to get better and um, achieve the results and expectations he, he sets for himself. So we're really proud of it. Uh, I'm also so fortunate that you know Gillette was able to make this a part of our life to be able to see the game and see it, see this experience and uh, just make this an, an amazing uh, opportunity. And this question is kind of for both of you, I guess. I guess you may have different answers, but uh, growing up playing sports, you kind of see different types of parents. You you got the yeller, you got the encourager, you've got the the quiet and kind of chill parent, and and so on. Um, Chris, were you kind of more of a tough love guy on the field or, or were you more of a quiet guy? And Solomon, um, I, I want to hear your answer to that too. Um, I, I'm not the, the quiet, chilled guy, <laughs> for sure. Uh, more of a tough love, you know, in your face, loud, uh, not obnoxious, but just a, but I'm also uh, very supportive of Solomon on off the field to make sure him and his sister Ella were just doing, doing being the best they can be and try to provide the right direction and, and uh, advice uh, getting the right lessons or support, whatever he needed to to be successful, because you know that's what we uh, try to strive in being in the Thomas family is to be the best at what you what you can be, whatever whatever it is. Um, also, yeah, you know, he was hard on us. You know, definitely not not just like killing us, but you know, he was he pushed us. He knew he knew our potential. He knew how good we could be, and just the sky was limit for us. So he definitely pushed us, but he was always there encouraging us and showing us love as well that that he loved us no matter what. But, you know, in the stands, um, as I kind of got to see throughout uh, um, Gillette's, uh, Gillette's amazing job capturing um, him during my first game, you know, that, um, you know, he's kind of like calm and collective, but anxious and um, just ready to kind of, you know, burst out during my games. You know, he's kind of kind of mixed with emotions. But, you know, I got to witness that through, um, you know, Gillette's perspective, uh, capturing his perspective during um, my first game against the uh, Panthers. And it was a pretty cool experience because, like, it was a big day for me, but it was his big day too. And um, just seeing uh, the way he was during my game just reminded me of old high school times where I could actually look at the stands and see my parents and how um, their attitude was or, or temperament during my game. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. Sam, can you point to the biggest challenge you've had this year, the biggest adjustment you've had to make in, in your game as you get used to the NFL style of play? Um, I would definitely say, you know, just getting my timing down. You know, it's a lot different with guys who are bigger, faster, and stronger, and more explosive, and and who are way better technique and extremely and way smarter throughout the game. So it's just really just my timing and and getting my new techniques down. Um, you know, playing a lot more on the edge. You know, didn't really play much on the edge at all in, in college, and um, just getting just adjusting to that, and then being able to play on the edge and move back inside with with having different timings at both both levels, but. And just adjusting my knowledge of the game and just uh, understand certain certain situations, when to do what, all that kind of stuff. And you know, I've been very lucky with the coaches I have around me and, and some of the veterans who've been helping me out a lot this year. So, um, you know, making good progress and going to make a whole bunch next and moving forward. And this question is for both of you. How would you say your lives have changed in the past eight months since Salomon you became the third pick in the NFL draft? Um, you know, just adjusting to a lot. You know, so. Uh, come, I mean, it's a blessing, you know. I'm extremely thankful for everything that I've had in my life and how how far I've come with uh, the help of my parents and my family and all of my close friends around me. But you know, it, I mean, it's definitely a lot. Uh, you know, transitioning into you know being always being far away from my family. You know, having a job. You know, I've 
provide for myself and, and now and like have to, you know, take out and grow up responsibilities and my family just in that as well. Um, you know, it, it's just, it's a little different, but you know, it's, it's life now, but, um, you know, I mean, you have some new friends you have, you know, just, just a lot of new stuff and we're always adjusting, but you know, it's been nothing but a blessing. And I think with the help of my family, we've done nothing but uh, approach in the right way. And I mean, I'm very blessed to have their guidance and, and their help throughout this process. It's, it's been a it's been a whirlwind. Uh, I can still remember the last game at Stanford when they played Rice in the rain and the Sun Bowl and then the the draft and all that. And just been an amazing transition to the NFL. But we're excited, blessed, you know, uh, scared as well. I mean, it's always you know uh, difficult when you're playing against the best, of the best. And um, but it's been a great experience and really have enjoyed the whole um, opportunity to to to, uh, to see and participate and, and compete. And also, it's been great that. Um, I'm so grateful that Gillette was able to help make this experience come come to life. And Solomon, I got I got to ask you this: Do you uh, you uh, spend some time in in Australia? Lived in Australia? Do you do you miss your Australian accent? Oh yeah, yeah, I miss it so much. I still uh, <laughs> having a hard time forgive um, the school I went to in Connecticut for making me go to speech class. Because <laughs> um, if I could rock that still now, you know, uh, life would be pretty pretty interesting. But <laughs> um, you know, I definitely miss it. And, um, I wish I still had it, and I wish I could still just do it on the spot. But that speech class kind of haunted me. <laughs> uh, no, we're not gonna we're not gonna put you on the spot here. <laughs> um, so looking back at at Stanford and and they're prepping for their bowl game, and Bryce Love is actually in the in contention for the uh, Heisman Trophy. I believe he's one of the finalists. Um, have you have you talked to Bryce at all uh, since uh, since you got to the Forty ers And have you have you been able to see what he's doing up at the farm? You know, I have. I've caught some games. I've, you know, it's no surprise what Bryce is doing. We all knew that he was going to be this good, and we all knew he was going to explode and shock the world. Uh, you know, uh, I just hope the whole East Coast is able to see it. Uh, it's just crazy how things go through with all the biases and whatever. But um, besides that, you know, I just know how amazing kid Bryce is. You know, I've talked to him this year. You know, I go back to Stanford sometimes to meet with Coach Charlie and some other coaches and just uh, catch up. Um, and I see Bryce, some of my old teammates, we just – you know, catch up. Um, but he, uh, he's doing a, um, he's doing an amazing job and, and, you know, he's being an amazing player, but what's crazy is how great of a guy he is, you know, just, it's a down to earth guy who works hard, extremely smart, um, loves life, love, loves those around him and, and just a perfect teammate. And just one more question for you, Solomon. Uh, how did it feel to get that win in Chicago, Jimmy Garoppolo? I, we got to ask about Jimmy Garoppolo. Obviously, it's, it's yeah. been the big story for the 49ers. And how did it feel to see him get out there and, and play well and lead you guys to that win? You know, it felt great. You know, he brought a great energy to the game, and, and we were riding with it, and we loved it. Um, you know, he helped the defense a lot. The offense played well. The offensive line, receivers, running backs, Jimmy, they all played amazing to keep us off the field. And uh, we only had 37 snaps, which is, is extremely low. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. offense helped us out a lot. Um, you know, Jimmy had a great control of the game, game, great tempo. You know, he was very poised. You know, it was fun to watch. It was it was pretty pretty amazing. And, you know, we just have good energy going on right now. You know, about to hit this week really hard. Um, just get after it and, and, and get ready for Houston. Can you confirm or deny the bus story where uh, Jimmy got on the bus and everybody was kind of cheering? Is that Did that actually happen? Uh, on the way after the game? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he got on the bus and, you know, we're all just, like Jimmy, you know, all that kind of good stuff, you know, you know, just, just happy for him. You know, we know he, he's been waiting for this moment for a while. You know, he's been working his butt off these last few years, just um, learning and, and getting ready for this opportunity. And he stayed ready the whole time. And that's why he was able to, 
you know, seize the moment and, and dominate it so well. Great stuff. Great stuff. Well, thank you very much, guys. I want to thank Solomon Thomas and his father, Chris. I want to thank Gillette for setting this up. And, and thank you so much for your time today, guys. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right. Good luck the rest of the season, guys. All right. Thank you so thank much. And thanks again to Solomon Thomas and his father, Chris Thomas. We were very lucky to get the opportunity to be able to speak with Solomon and, and Chris, courtesy of Gillette. And it's, it was really cool to talk to them, but especially to be able to talk to father and son about what their experiences has been like in the NFL and, and to hear that dynamic, it, it, it was really cool. And yeah. um, again, thank you to Gillette for, for, for allowing us to do that with them. And, you know, who knows, maybe down the line, we can have them on the show again. It was, it was a great interview. Yeah, I really hope so. And I really had a, had a great time talking with Solomon and Chris, both uh, on the air and off the air. And sometimes you just kind of imprint on people, Al, and there's some people that just you just really, really get off on the right foot with. And I, we had never spoken to Solomon before this or Chris. And just talking to those guys, like they, they both have really infectious personalities. They're both really, really positive people. And it, the whole story kind of kind of struck a chord with me because my own dad, I, I remember growing up like, Every day after school, every day he was there throwing the baseball with me. And I'm talking about like 15 years he was there. So it's like, mm. it really, it really was this kind of special story for me personally. But in, in terms of be a person and, and being a father of, of an NFL player, Chris is, is a great guy. And Solomon Thomas is, you know, his personality is just, just awesome. And, and we, we talked a lot about it during draft time and the time since, but I, I really think that he's he's headed for for a lot of success just based off his attitude. It didn't it didn't kind of seem like he was just like a really really bright guy, like really bright wide eyed potential field guy. Al. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed talking to both of them. It's very articulate, just carried themselves really well. Just just a great interview. I like the way that they answered the questions. That, you know, they give thoughtful answers. It, it was really great, really really great. And again, that dynamic with father and son was was fantastic. And Zane, your dad listens to like every show, doesn't he? He does, he does, and he uh, he'll call me up and be like, "Oh, you and Al should talk about this and that." I'm like, all right, Dad. I don't think my parents. I think my parents listen to the show. <laughs> really, no. Like, no you guys see, we have so and so on, and they're like, "Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah." Like, you guys didn't listen at all. So, no, my yeah, parents are all yeah. good. Like, he, I don't he, think they listen to the show, but yeah, they're all good. Yeah, he's super supportive, so I'm I'm super thankful for that. Supportive of everything that I do, and and uh, and super blessed and supportive to uh, super blessed and 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 happy to have a, a a parent who's that supportive. So, um, shout out to my old man. What's up? <laughs> all right, James. So Where I want to start with this game, and obviously it's it's all about Garoppolo. The defense played really well, but the story if. if is Jimmy Garoppolo, let's be honest. So the one thing that stuck out to me and what I wanted to lead out with was coming into this game, the 49ers defense was on the field for the second most plays out of any team in the NFL. Um, and they were only one behind the, the team who was, I forget which team it was, but they were only one behind the team with the most plays in the NFL. Now in this game, they come out in their scoring drives, 14 plays, six minutes and 48 seconds, seven plays, three minutes and 13 seconds, 11 plays, five minutes and 25 seconds, 16 plays, eight minutes and 19 seconds, 14 plays, five minutes and 23 seconds. And yeah, you could say, well, they didn't score touchdowns, but the reasons why they didn't score touchdowns were it was really self-inflicted wounds, I thought. And once they get those cleaned up, you're going to see them reach the end zone a lot more. And the time of possession in this game was the Niners had the ball for over 38 minutes, um, 38 minutes and 47 seconds, and the Bears only 21-13. We haven't seen that from the 49ers in how long? 
where they've been able to drive up and down the field. And, and it was, they converted third downs, 10 out of 18 out of third downs for the first time. And again, how long this team never converts third downs, especially third and long. We've been watching quarterbacks throw three yard passes on third and nine for the last three years, four years. So to see this, to see a quarterback with a big arm go downfield and get these first downs, it was unbelievable. It was like we were watching a different team. And, and again, I'm not, I don't want to just 15 points. Okay. Oh, they got to score touchdowns. They will. He's playing with two rookies in Kendrick Bourne and Trent Taylor. Marquise Goodwin, who's starting to play really well, and we'll, we'll talk more about him. But again, he's not a number one receiver by any stretch of the imagination. He hasn't been in his career, and he, he he's playing that role in San Francisco right now. Lewis Murphy, who they got off the street, Garrett Selleck, George Kittle, he's not playing with household names at the, his skill positions. And he went up and down the field and almost threw for 300 yards. It was a sensational debut performance, and I don't think the Niners could have asked for anything more. And there's a lot to unpack. There's there's so much to talk about with Jimmy Garoppolo, but he was able to kind of control the tempo of the offense, which allowed the 49ers to control the tempo of the game, which allowed the defense to be off the field. So it was like a chain reaction thing. And and I don't want to make this too big of a thing, but it's kind of a big thing, Al. We haven't seen this. I, I don't remember seeing this co- this type of calmness in the pocket from a 49ers quarterback since pretty much since... I, I don't even remember. Maybe maybe Joe Montana, because Steve Young was kind of skittish in the pocket. He would run. Jeff Garcia had really happy feet, and he, although they were great, Alex Smith really never looked comfortable in the pocket. He was always kind of a captain check down. Kaepernick would always would always run first and after his first read. So really, the, there hasn't been a 49ers pocket passing quarterback that we've seen in quite some time like Jimmy Garoppolo. So I'll start off by by kind of mentioning that. Now, as far as the game and, and, and the impact they had on the game, I believe that the 49ers, they were 10, 10 of 18 on third downs, but the last one out was actually at the goal line, which way they, they basically were kneeling on the ball to, to run the clock out. So they were really 10 of 17 if you, if you just take that possession away, mm-hmm. which, was a, which is a phenomenal, it's a, it's a phenomenal ratio. And he, he completed over 70% of his passes. And he he made he made the the I think he only made really one bad throw, which was the which was not the interception, which is the other throw to Murphy that was kind of in triple coverage, and Murphy somehow came down with it. But I, again, really, even his incompletions were on the money. And to me, yeah. the most impressive throw of the day was not even a completion; it was the pass to Kittle in the back of the end zone, where Jimmy Garoppolo was yeah. rolling to his right, <laughs> and he I, man Al he threw this thing on a dime right into Kittle's hands, and if that's a receiver. That's a touchdown. George Kittle is really athletic for a tight end, but if that's a receiver, he gets both feet both feet in, and that's a touchdown. It was just just an unbelievable throw. So the the intangibles that he brought, in addition to the the physical things like being accurate and and knowing how to work the play clock, and he even lined up a couple of receivers on the other side of the, the formation when they were lined up wrong. You can hear the microphone pick it up. He was really taking command of the offense, and I and I really feel like the rest of the team fed off of it. I agree. And and, and you mentioned it being a big deal. It's a huge deal. This is huge. The one thing this team hasn't been able to do since Jeff Garcia retired is, is really find a long-term answer at quarterback. And I know, I know, I know it's one game, excuse me, but he certainly looks the part. He's got that quick release. You don't have to worry about the offensive line to me with him back there because he's so good getting out of trouble. He's so good getting rid of the ball. In a lot of those sacks that we saw with Beathard and Hoyer, where they're sitting back there patting the ball, you're not going to see that with Garoppolo. And are there still issues in the interior of the offensive line? Sure, but they picked up their play this week, and I know the Bears have struggled with pressure, but the line certainly played a lot better, and we'll see how it progresses, especially with you know trying to block Damian Clowney and teams like Jacksonville coming up and that sort of thing. 
but for one game, it certainly looked good. And, and this is a huge deal. They have filled this quarterback position. I, I, I really believe that they have. And now you start building. I know they've been rebuilding and they've been getting, you know, your Reuben Fosters and your Solomon Thomas and, and guys like that. But now you have your franchise quarterback to build around. Now you start to build around him. And for Lynch and Shanahan to go out and be as aggressive as they were and get him now, great move. I, I mean, that's just a first, second round pick. That's a phenomenal move. And now you have a guy that you're going to go into off, the offseason and you say, okay, we're building around Jimmy. Not what quarterback are we going to sign and what QB are we going to draft and, and who do we Now you build around Garoppolo. And this is huge for the franchise. It's huge, it's huge for the fan base. The fan base is energized again. Um, and the fan base, I, I, I think while a lot of the fan base knew they had to be patient. They were being patient. Listen, nobody was having fun with what was going on. Nobody was entertained by what was going on in the field. And nobody wants to see this offense come out and score 10 points every week. We want to see them move the ball up and down the field. And, and, and that's what they did. And it's just a huge deal. Yeah, he set a record for 49ers quarterbacks in their first start. He had over 200, 290 yards passing. And he had, the I believe, it was tw- uh, 27 completions, if I'm not mistaken. And- uh, 26, I, I think 26. 26 completions. I gave, I gave him the extra one that he should have had that Lewis Murphy dropped in the red zone. That should have been a catch. But for some reason, there were like 10,000 cameras in the stadium, but they couldn't get the, the right angle to show that Lewis, Lewis yeah, Murphy bobbled awful. it, but still caught it. That, just, that was terrible, but I, I digress. So he, he really took command of that offense. And, and the whole thing about him not leading the 49ers to a touchdown and all that stuff is total crap because at the end and they chose to do the smart thing and run down the clock and and now if you look at what happened at the end and i tweeted this out at the time the 49ers were down by two points they started at their eight yard line and i i tweeted out that the the 49ers and their coaches to evaluate jimmy garoppolo with can you lead your team down the field for the game-winning score with pretty much nothing around you and he did just that in the field took plus all of the bears timeouts in in the process which was not only a phenomenal job by, by him to keep the drives, the, the, the plays going and the drive going and the clock moving, but also by Kyle Shanahan. And I feel like he's learned his lessons from the Super Bowl with play calling because they could have easily just went for it and scored, but he played it perfectly and left four seconds on the clock when, when Robbie Gold kicked the go-ahead field goal. I, the, the, whole, the whole scenario worked out perfectly for the 49ers, and Jimmy Garoppolo got his first win, and that's out of the way. They don't have to worry about, even if they lose the rest of the games in the season, which I don't think they will, but even if they lose every other every game that's that's remaining the four, it doesn't matter because he already has that first win. And Al, I'm I'm kind of greedy now. I, I want more as as a <laughs> 49ers fan and and covering the team. I, I want more. I want more wins. I want more success. It's kind of infectious and it's interesting because the players feel it too. Solomon was talking about how when Jimmy Garoppolo got on the bus, and this is a, a story that's now obviously been confirmed with by by Solomon. It's a story that came out yesterday when, when Jimmy Garoppolo came on the team bus when they were leaving Soldier Field. He was a little bit late. Marquise Goodwin was sitting in the front seat. He got up and gave Jimmy Garoppolo the seat, and everybody just started cheering. And the, the whole team, they just you can tell that, that there's a different sort of vibe around the team now. Yeah, and, and that drive at the end of the game, you know, listen, you want a quarterback who's going to take the ball with time winding down in the fourth quarter and winning the game, and he did that. Was to do that in your first start was great, and and it is in fact. Yeah, did you did you have any? Sorry, did you have any doubt that you that they would score there? I had no doubt that he would he would be able to lead them to that score. How I long has con- been since you felt that yeah. way? I was confident, and yeah, I don't know that I've 
I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Jeff Garcia, <laughs> you know, I don't know yeah. that I really, yeah. that I really thought, because even when Kaepernick was dynamic for that year or whatever, I, you know, I never had that much faith in him being able to throw the ball. He always hoped he kind of ran one. He could break one. Um, mm-hmm. Alex Smith had his moments, but I, I remember the saints game um, when he, you know, and, and Smith did bring him back in that game, but I was like, Oh, you know, there's no, no way he could, he could drive down the field. So it's, it's been a while since I felt that. And yeah, I felt good when they got the ball. I'm like, all right, you know, I, I think they can at least get in field goal range here. I definitely felt good. And you mentioned, yeah, it, it is infectious with the team because listen, nobody's going to come out and say it, but everybody on that team knew, knew Brian Hoyer was any good. Everybody mm-hmm. on that team knew CJ Beathard was a third round pick who, who probably doesn't have any business playing yet as tough, as tough as Beathard is. And, you know, as, as good of a job as he did for, for what he has to work with. Um, but, but they knew, they know the difference with Garoppolo in there. They see this guy throwing dimes all over the field. They see him with pocket presence. They see him with control of the offense. They see how cool and calm he is. They, they know that is infectious. It, you could see it with the receivers. You could see it with the guys around him. The offensive line blocked better. The receivers played better. You have, and we can lead into this now, um, Marquise Goodwin, who, listen, took a lot of heat early in the season. He's been sensational lately. He's been, mm-hmm. re- he's been really right. good. He's been thrust into the number one receiver role on this team. The last three games, okay, mm-hmm. he, we, I've been saying this, if you listen to the show too, like, like the catch percentage. Goodwin always has a really low catch percentage, and coming into this game, he, he caught 45% of the passes thrown to him. He caught eight out of eight passes in this game, and in his last three games, He's got 13 of his last 16 targets. He's got 677 yards on the year now. He's on pace for a little bit over 900. He might get 1,000 yards this year, which quietly, you know, I don't think anybody thought that. And he's leading the league in mm-hmm. yards per catch at 19.3. He's having a really good year. And, and now he was a guy who maybe, I don't know, four or five weeks ago, I would have said, well, he might not even be on the team next year. I think he's a big part of the offense next year for sure. And, and, you know, I don't know if if they have Garcon, maybe they add someone to to start on the other side, but Goodwin's going to be a piece and, and they're going to have plays for Goodwin. He's he's come along and I'm I'm thrilled with how he's developed because, listen, he's never been in this position before. He's never played these kind of snaps and had this much volume. Um, mm-hmm. He's always just kind of been, you know, a run down the field and, you know, throw it up to him type guy. But but now he's a big part of the offense and that's great to see for the Niners. Yeah, and. It's it's interesting that he's almost on pace for a thousand yard season. I think he has to average eighty two yards a game, just over eighty two, almost eighty three yards a game to get to over the last four games to get to a thousand, which, like you said, would be like one of the most quiet thousand yard seasons you could ever you could ever see. But he's he's been dynamic. He he had a lot of he he was running good routes on Sunday. He had a couple of tough catches. Like he when you when you have a good quarterback, I feel like it transforms your whole team. And if there's anything that I've seen from a Kyle Shanahan offense, like he had Pierre Garcon uh, as his as his number one, pretty much in in Washington, and that's only needed. And RG three threw for over three thousand yards, and he was he was really dynamic. So I, I really feel like a good quarterback will elevate the the rest of your team, almost like a high tide will elevate all the boats in a in a lake. That's kind of like what Jimmy Garoppolo could do, or or a good quarterback can do. So if you look at the the type of plays that they were running for Marquise Goodwin, a lot of them were over in the middle. You don't you didn't really see that with C.J. Beathard and, and Brian Hoyer. Goodwin's kind of mo- more running vertical, and a lot of these were crossing patterns, like short crosses or or just beyond the sticks. And getting back to the third down thing, I believe six of those third downs that they converted were over six yards, so between six and twelve yards. So it's not like these were short third downs they were converting. They're, it, 
there were, there were a couple of times where Garoppolo converted like a third and 12 or a third and 11. And mm-hmm. it was, it was just like, he was just right on the money. So really when, when what he was doing with these receivers is he was throwing them open. And I know, I, I, I know we, we are talking about Marquise Goodwin here, but, but real quick on Jimmy Garoppolo, he was, he was throwing his guys open. He was hitting his guys in stride. And that's something that, that you haven't seen from a 49ers quarterback in a long time. It's usually just checked down and they're done. But when you have a guy like that, who can get your receivers the ball in stride, it gives a guy like Marquise Gooden a chance to showcase his best asset, which is his speed, and get him in space and get him, get him open. And, and he was great. He caught every one of the passes thrown his way. Trent Taylor as well was great. Trent Taylor caught every one of the passes thrown his way, six for six. So, and, and he was huge on third down, and he had that big gain on the last drive of the game to get them into field goal range. So you're finally starting to see the full arsenal of these receivers' skills, and, and, it's, and it's super exciting. And it is amazing when you get a good quarterback in there because you've seen these receivers play on this team for how long? And we mentioned a thousand yards for Goodwin, and you say, "Oh, well, what's a thousand yards?" Well, the Niners field had two receivers, Crabtree in 2012, and Bolden did it in 2013, 2014, hit a thousand yards since, since Terrell Owens. So it's not like this is something that's happened in San Francisco wow. every year. So for Goodwin to do that, I mean, that's pathetic, especially in in this in this era. Um, but yeah, so now you have these receivers who haven't really put up any numbers all year. All of a sudden, Goodwin, 8 for 99. Taylor, 6 for 92. Taylor came into this game with 26 receptions. And all of a sudden, he comes out in the slot, and he's, he's doing what they drafted him to do. And it's, it's because you have a quarterback who can deliver the football. And when you see good quarterback play, just everything just looks different. And again, we have not seen good quarterback play from this team in a really long time. You've seen flashes in the pan. You've seen some good runs. Alex Smith was okay. It was okay. It wasn't dynamic by any stretch of the imagination. When you see really good quarterback play, it makes a huge difference. And and people can argue, well, you know, Kaepernick, Ka- Kaepernick had a good, I don't know what, year and a half, and he was never a real dynamic passer. I mean, he had some good games, um, but he wasn't the type of guy who really was going to throw people open. Um, you know, they kind of scheme people open for him. He just, he wasn't a strong, even, even the person who loves Kaepernick the most has to admit that he wasn't a strong throw. He wasn't a strong thrower of the football. He was a strong passer. Um, he had a good arm, but he, you know, he, he didn't throw with touch. He didn't always lead receivers or throw receivers open. So we haven't seen this in a while. And to have a quarterback that's going to do that now, again, you cannot talk about how huge it is. It's, it's, it's so huge. And it just kind of, like next week, the 49ers are, are going to Houston and, and they're playing a, a beat up Texans team and Tom Savage is their quarterback and, and he's been up and down. And it just kind of feels like every week that, they, that they're that they in it now with a good quarterback. And don't, don't get me wrong, Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback. People people want to point to the sample size and be like, well, he's only started three games and and he's, he's an unknown and blah, blah, blah. But he's doing the exact same. What you saw on Sunday against the Bears is exactly what he did in New England when Tom Brady was out, when Jimmy Garoppolo started those two games is exactly what he did in college at Eastern Illinois, that this guy, like he's produced at every single level. It's not just one of those things where it's just a a lucky couple of games. He's actually a good quarterback and you can see it. You can see it in his vision. You can see it in his patience. You can see it in his poise. You can see it in his accuracy. He looked like, and I'm saying just by mannerisms only, he looked like a young Tom Brady in terms of what he did in the pocket, the way he was commanding the pocket and commanding the offense, even his cadence, which is the funniest thing. I want them all to sound the same in terms of cadence. His cadence even sounds like Tom Brady. The microphone caught it a couple of times. So the guy looks the part. Now it's just a matter 
matter of surrounding him with with pieces that are on the offensive line and playmakers that will get them to the next level. Yeah, and 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 that'll be you know a point of the offseason to really get those guys in place. And I'm I'm excited to see where it goes. Now, this defense wasn't on the field the whole game, and I know Chicago doesn't have a perfect offense by any stretch of the imagination, but the defense played really well. Really well. Um the only touchdowns yeah, that were yeah. given up in this game were after the interception where um Fuller ripped the ball out of Murphy's hands and the punt return, obviously. And the punt the punt defense has been great. Special teams has been really good punt returns all year. So whatever. Somebody Cohen breaks one, what are you gonna do? It happens. Um mm-hmm. but the defense played really, really well. And there are building blocks here, and we've been saying that. And Ruben Foster with another really strong game. He's looking every bit the star that we thought he was. Adrian Col- Colbert on the back end. I think, personally, this is his audition for 2018. And I think he's pushing mm-hmm. Jimmy Ward right now. If he keeps this up, Colbert's been fantastic. Move Ward back to corner. He, he can't stay on the field anyway. And I thought Solomon Thomas had a good game. And it, it doesn't show up on the stat sheet. Um, he had one tackle, he had one QB hit, but you look at how he played, um, you know, collapsing the pocket a couple times so other guys can get in there and, and, and finish up, and, and he had, a, you know, a, a couple pressures there. I thought he played really well, and, and I tweeted out during the game, you know, everybody wants him to come in and, and be a 10-sack guy with the number three pick, and, and again, you say, well, the number three pick, it, it's got to be an impact pick. He's, he's really not that type of player. And if he's going to be that type of player, he's going to need time to develop into that. Defensive linemen don't come in and, and necessarily blow the doors off the league. Look at DeForest Buckner was a great last year. He took a while to mm-hmm. get going last year. And Thomas has, has been playing a new position. He's learning. Where you're going to see what Solomon Thomas is, is going to be in year two. And I, th- I think he's had a good rookie season. He's been really good against the run. Has he been dynamic in the pass rush? No. But that's not. I don't know if that's going to be his game. Um, he may just be a guy who, you know, takes on a double team or collapses his pocket and, and somebody else does the dirty work. He may end up being a 10 sack guy. We don't know, but you got to let this kind of progress and you got to see how he does, especially in year two. I'm really interested to see how he does next year. Cause he's certainly been a good starter. He's I, I think he's done just fine. Um, and we'll see if next year, if he can take the steps to an elite level, but I think he's done a good job. I think Colbert's doing a good job. And, and I think Foster is a star. So there are some pieces here um, along with the Forrest Buckner. They just got to get that edge rusher, and they're going to need another corner. Witherspoon is another guy playing really well, another rookie. So there's these building blocks there, and and you get a you get a pass rusher, you get another corner or two in the off season, and this defense is going to be formidable. Oh, obviously, Solomon Solomon Thomas joining us today. I I want to talk about him first, and you bring up an interesting point where he he was definitely much better this uh, on the on the interior when they moved him in there and it's it's he's explosive in there and i want to see him in there i want to see him next to deforest buckner next year i hope that they move him inside and i hope that he can just cause havoc and, and rush the passer from there like you know when the 49ers had bryant young and dana stubblefield oh yeah that's yep. that's what i want out of these that's what i want out of these two defensive tackles and buckner and, and solomon thomas and i really feel like both of them have the talent to do that and bryant young was never a 10 sack guy Right, Brian Young right. was was always like I think he only had ten sacks more than uh I think he had more than ten sacks like uh, once or twice he was always like eight or nine sacks and and he was he was really good against the run he would always collapse the pocket for the defensive ends to get to the quarterback so I I think that that would be an ideal role for Solomon Thomas because the guy has talent it, you can see him flashing he <laughs> he chased down Russell Wilson like that's not an easy thing to do he he's really good against the run so it. 
it's it's going to take him time. And, and mind you, he was a junior when he when he came out of college. Right. He came out early. So it's it's going to take some time for him to develop, and and especially along the defensive line, like you're getting used to guys that are much much bigger blocking you. It's not just some some guy that's not going to make it to the NFL that you're playing against in college. It's it's these guys are actually like the basically houses with arms and legs, and you're you're having to go against them and having to adjust your game, adjust the speed. So I really think that he's shown a lot of progress, as has the rest of the defense. The, the statistics don't show but they've actually played much, much better than what they're ranked. And they were, they were in several games, obviously, earlier this year, and we've talked about that a lot. And there's a lot of promise there. I feel like they, they can get by with really need to add another corner, whether it's Jimmy Ward moving there or drafting a corner. But I think that the, the free safety spot, Adrian, Colbert, Adrian Colbert, who was on our podcast, by the way, earlier this season, Adrian Colbert, he's that role considering he was a late round pick and range has been really good so i think that it's pretty much his job to lose eric reed's an interesting guy i don't know if they're going to bring him back out next year really good pieces there malcolm smith will be back will be back next year so there's a lot of good pieces there already there on on defense i really think that they're going to focus on offense this draft in terms of grabbing an offensive lineman and and picking up receivers and playmakers not only in the draft but also free agency so Overall, you can see the pieces there, Al. You can see these cornerstone players slowly being added. And I think that next year really will be the year that where they that they kind of turn the corner. Yeah, I, I can see them making a jump next year, especially if if Grapple is a real deal and you have the QB in place, that changes everything. Changes everything. So we'll see we'll see what happens there. Now, in terms of my game balls, I didn't give out a game ball last week, Zane, because I had just had enough and nobody was getting a game ball for me <laughs> last last week. But so I get to give do I get to give two out this week? I don't know. Like if you if you if you pass on your your game ball privilege, I'm not sure. There has to be some sort of penalty for that, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm still gonna give two out though because <laughs> I'm, I'm just so I got you. Got to give it to Jimmy G, right? He's he's got to have one yeah. of them. In the second one, I'm gonna give it to Robbie Gold because he comes back to Chicago and he goes five for five with field goals and he kicks the game winner. And just good for him, man. You know, good for good for you, Robbie. So you're you're getting my second game ball. Yeah, and I want to touch on that real quick, Robbie Gold. There's an interesting story, obviously, coming from the Bears, and he spent the last, I believe, six weeks of last year not even kicking anywhere. So he gets those five field goals, and after the last one, turns to the Bears sideline and just gives him like a, yeah, gives him like a fist pump. And I was like, oh, man, that's 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 awesome right there. It's it's great when you can see a guy come back against his former team, unless that former team is the 49ers, but against his former team and, and just stick it to him and, and win the game. And he hit all five of those field goals. They're all chip shots, but he did his job. He he accounted for all the points. So that's that's uh, I, I like I like that. I like that game ball. And our, and our my buddy, game ball. Oh, sorry to interrupt you, but our buddy Joe Fan tweeted out today um, for about Robbie Gold. Gold two games with five field goals this year. Ninety three percent field goal, which is sixth in the percentage, which is uh, sixth in the NFL, and twenty six field goals made, which is fourth in the NFL. Hashtag Pro Bowl. So yeah, Robbie's having a nice little season. Yeah, I, th- I think why not? You know, he's he's been he's been nails. He just missed. I, I I think he's only missed a couple of kicks so far this season. So hopefully he's he's gonna get my vote, obviously for the Pro Bowl. So whole thing about putting him in Orlando and nothing nothing against the city of Orlando, but it's just the the whole feel of it was was different when it was in Hawaii. And on top of that, it was different when it was after the Super Bowl because it was like one last time where you could see your favorite players. Like I remember when the 49ers won the Super Bowl in '94. I was so I was so pumped after that season. I'm like, man. I get to see Steve Young and Jerry Rice on the on the field one more time before that long, long, 
nine month layoff where we're not going to see them. So I, I just, I just really think that, that that whole thing needs to change. So anyways, that, that doesn't matter right now. So my game ball, I'm going to give my game ball to Marquise Goodwin. And he, he was dynamic. He was a threat. He was, he was catching everything. He showed off his hands. He was, like he he was everything that the 49ers wanted him to be when they brought him in at eight catches. He had 99 yards and he's on pace for almost a thousand yard season. Didn't get in the end zone, but I think that eventually that, that will come with more chemistry with Brian, uh, with uh, Brian Hoy. I'm living in, I'm living in week two. Al. Oh. <laughs> it's been a long, <laughs> don't, don't take us back there. Do not take us back there. Oh man. Um, but yeah, Goodwin, he's, he's going to have a lot of chemistry with Jimmy Garoppolo going forward because obviously now Jimmy being the man, they're going to be practicing and he's going to get all the reps and, and all the game reps, obviously. So uh, Marquise Goodwin is going to get my game ball this week. A very good choice. Very good choice. And as far as predictions, I think they're winning again. I do. I think they're good. The Texans are, you know, Tom Savage isn't playing well. Um, Texans are a little bit beat up. I, I think the Niners are going to go in there and, and surprise some people and, and, and get another one. So I feel good about the third one of the season. What was that? Three out of four? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's going to happen. I think it's going right. to happen. Um, and I think they're going to get the win, and they're going to be 3-10, and ten, and I don't know what's going to happen over the next three weeks because the games are much tougher, but I can see this is a very, winnable, very winnable week for the Niners. Yeah, and the the Texans they do have one guy that really scares me, and that's DeAndre Hopkins. Like, if you look at it, the the trend, Al, if you noticed, there are really not any crazy statistically number one receivers in this league. It's just Antonio Brown and Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins, and after that you have like Adam Thielen and Ashawn Jeffrey and like all these guys that are kind of clumped together. But those AJ three Green. guys, you gotta put AJ, AJ up there too, I think. AJ Green as well, but he's 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 been having a down year this year. He only has, I mean, he'll he'll probably get to a thousand, but so far it's not that sort of dominant year that you're see, you're used to seeing from AJ Green. So those are the three guys: Brown, Hopkins, and Julio Jones at the top. And DeAndre Hopkins is he's one of my favorite players in the NFL. I love watching that guy play, and that's the one guy that I'm really terrified of. That like you're you may have in some situations Akella Weatherspoon on DeAndre Hopkins and. And that's going to be a tough matchup for the 49ers. So if they can contain Hopkins, I feel like they'll win this game. And I think that they will, they will win this game. I, I, like having a quarterback who can execute your offense to, with, with the precision that Jimmy Garoppolo did on Sunday, when you have that, it, it gives you a distinct advantage. And it's a quarterback-driven league. And the 49ers quarterback, Al, is better than the Texans quarterback. And that's what it comes down to. So I'm going to say that the 49ers win. And it's going to be a close game because 49ers just play close. That's, that's what they do. And, and I'm, going to, I'm going to say it goes down to the wire, but the, the, the 49ers will pull it out. I'm going to say 35 to 10. No, I know. <laughs> it's, it's not going to happen. Yeah, it'll probably be like, I don't know, like 21 to 20. It'll be a nail biter because yeah. that's, that's how they roll. They got to give you a heart attack. But yeah, hey, listen, it's, it's good that we're even having this type of conversation right now because Last week we were at least me. I, I was hanging by a thread, and and now it, just positives look uh, everywhere. So we'll yeah, see what happens. More. But I want more. Yeah, now and I listen. How can you not? It's been like I said, fifteen years of other than those three years with Harbaugh. It's been fifteen years of dysfunction and garbage. So 
how can you not? You get a taste of it, and it looks like you have a franchise quarterback. Can't blame you. I think the fan base is hungry, and I, I think the excitement right now is is here with Jimmy here. And you know, me too. I want to come out and, and see a good performance. But God forbid it's not a good performance because on the show I'm going to lose my mind next week. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're writing this this late season two and roller coaster. coaster. <laughs> roller coaster. People are going to start thinking I'm crazy. But I think that is important that they win as much as they can, Al. This whole draft position thing, like I've, I'm kind of slowly letting go of that because with every every win that they get from here on in, it's not only going to boost the confidence of the, the team, it's going to boost the confidence of the coaching staff that what they're doing is working. It's going to boost the confidence of Jimmy Garoppolo, who's your future at quarterback, and, and I'll be damned if they think that somebody in the draft is better than Jimmy Garoppolo, what they have right now in him. And it's going to, uh, I don't want to say twist his arm, but it will kind of sell Jimmy Garoppolo on being here because he's, he's going to get a taste of winning and what he, what potent his potential could be in a Kyle Shanahan offense. And I think that that's the biggest thing you can offer somebody is winning. Cause what's stopping Jimmy Garoppolo from going to some other organization after this year, that's actually a winner. So uh, winning right now to me is, is of the utmost importance to prove that to Jimmy Garoppolo that, Hey, we can do it here. We can, we can get some pieces next year. We can surround you with playmakers, and we can do it. Like Al, when you have when you have your franchise quarterback in place, and you're you're wanting to attract free agents, offensive line, defensive line, corner, receivers, whatever they are, it doesn't matter. When you have a, when you have a franchise quarterback, that matters to people because it shows that you have a plan. And then all of the other stuff that that comes with living in the Bay Area, like you're you're living in in one of the most beautiful cities in the world, and you're amongst some of the smartest people in the world, and you were quite literally in the last gold mine in the entire country with the silicon valley like there's there's all of this stuff to offer all of that stuff you can just put as a cherry on top of of your franchise quarterback so this if they can if they can pull off a couple more wins and i think that that they that they'll probably get two wins out of the four they'll split if they can do that and show that there's there's a light at the end of the tunnel the floodgates will open in terms of people wanting to come here and that's just that's my gut feeling but i i feel like that they they just really need to focus on winning Ronnie Lott said one time, and it's always stuck with me, they were talking about tanking with him, and he said, you have to taste winning. These guys need to know what it's like to win. They need to know how to win. And Mm -hmm. I agree with you. Draft, once you have your quarterback, draft position doesn't, I don't think it matters. You know, if if there were, if they were wanted one of the top QBs, I'd say, okay, you know, you want to make sure you get one of those guys, but they have their quarterback. It doesn't matter. Now you have to learn. You want these guys to taste winning. You want them to learn how to win. Ruben Foster, DeForest Buckner, Solomon Thomas, Witherspoon, Colbert. Kittle, Taylor, these are all Brita, Garoppolo. These are all young guys that need to taste winning. Trent Brown needs to learn how to win. So these guys do that a few games over over the end of the season. It's going to carry over into next year. They know how to close out games. They know what it takes. And then you get into next season and, and, and you hit the ground running. So yeah, I agree. I, I don't want any of this tanking. I don't want any of this bad record. I, two and four. I want them to, to win out if they can. I want them to win as much as they can to end the season. And I agree with you. It's going to carry over to next year. And you don't necessarily need a, a boatload of draft picks to make this happen. I feel like the misconception that people have about the draft is that the more is better. But you saw with Trent Balky when he was here from 2012 until 2015, the 49 nobody had more picks than the 49ers in the draft. So it doesn't. It's not about a quantity. It's about quality. And the reason why everybody, those people who were hoping the 49ers would tank. The reason why they were hoping that they would tank is so they could, they could get a shot at one of the top quarterbacks in the draft. Well, you don't need that anymore. So the best thing to do right now 
in my opinion, for the 49ers is to win and, and is to win as much as they can. Because when you slide kind of back into the, the middle of the first round or the middle of the top 10, the risk, in, it, it decreases. The risk of, of and, and that's just, you know, that's just my perception of it. But I feel like the risk decreases in, in terms of getting a potential bust because everybody's super aggressive and makes those moves ahead of you. And you, you're kind of just sitting back like Patrick Willis fell to the 49ers. DeForest Buckner, he Buckner fell to the 49ers. Mm-hmm. Like these guys weren't guys that the 49ers traded up and drafted. So when, when it comes to things like that, like, and to a lesser extent, he was, he was all right, but Michael Crabtree fell to the 49ers after the Raiders picked Darius Hayward Bay. So yep. you, you get a lot of these teams that are sort of desperate for talent and, and really desperate to turn things around. And they're, they're freaking out ahead of you. It happened this year too. Like, like, Everybody was freaking out about about the quarterbacks, and the Bears jumped up to draft Mitch Trubisky, and and the Forty ers made that trade, which netted them Reuben Foster. So it, it all of this is all relative, and really the the whole tanking thing, I, I just don't I just don't agree with it. Like I feel like these guys are professional athletes; they need they need to learn how to win. They need to know how it feels to taste victory, and and the whole Ronnie Law thing, I I totally agree with that. So I I hope they win as as many games as they can this year. I think they'll win this week. And I think that Jimmy Garoppolo, he'll, he'll kind of build off of that, that performance. Yeah. And one more thing before we get out of here, I wanted to say, I forgot um, about Garoppolo. Now we know a staple of Kyle Shanahan's offense is play action and Garoppolo on play action in week 13 was eight of eight for 105 yards and 118 passer rating. So you can't get much better than that. (laughs) So that's, um, that's a great sign as well. So um, again, just all, all good right now, all around. And we'll see where it goes from here. Zane, you got anything else, buddy? Um, just want to thank Solomon Thomas and his father, Chris, and G- our friends at Gillette for, for putting this together and allow- letting us have a few minutes with, with those guys. And it was, it was super, super fun. I hope we get to do it again. Me too. Me too. All right. So we're going to end this here. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Follow us on Twitter at LSACO49 at Zane49ers. We love to talk to people. We you know love to have conversations during the game or if you just have a question, Zane and I are always down to answer. So thanks again for listening, and we will talk to you guys soon. Peace.